0: Welcome to the Art of Money podcast with Art McPherson. Thanks for listening to the Art of Money podcast, artofmoneyradio.com for more information or to schedule that initial consultation. Appreciate you subscribing. Now, let's get to the show. As the NFL playoffs continue, bookies.com released some of the numbers of what it costs to attend football games this season. And a family of four paid an average of about $650 to go to an NFL game, 17% over Last year. So it's a good question for what you do for the community. Art McPherson, Luke McCarty experiences like sporting events, like concerts. We talked about Taylor Swift, Beyonce. They're all going up in prices so much to the point where it's become a major expense. So how often do you build the cost of these quote unquote bucket list items into retirement plans?
1: Yeah, experiences are definitely going way up, whether it's flying somewhere, staying somewhere, Airbnb, VRBO, all of that's getting extremely expensive. And the way we build it into our retirement plans is we have these conversations at the very beginning. You know, what does retirement look like for you? Are you going to be traveling? Are you going to be playing golf? You know, what what are you going to do in retirement? And if travel is one of your things that you're doing now, you're probably going to do more later. And hopefully do it bigger and better so we can build you the plan that says i need x amount of dollars per month no matter what right no matter what i do where i go and then maybe for the first you know 10 15 20 years of retirement bake in another i make up the number 10 20 thirty thousand extra for those first high travel years so that way it's built into your plan and you know your budget right you know i can meet my budget i can do the things i want to do and I can spend up to, you know, $20,000 a year in vacation. So that kind of gives you the ability to not feel like you are, you know, having to think about it or having to, you're still spending your money, but it feels like it's baked in, you know, in the world of Dave Ramsey, right? Every dollar has a purpose. And if every travel dollar for you has a purpose, well, you better spend them. I mean, they roll over to next year, but let's go, let's spend some money. Let's travel, have some fun.
0: These bucket list experiences can be built in as part of your budget. Okay. Well, let me ask you this because R McPherson, We were talking at the beginning of the show. We spent last weekend at a casino night. It was all for charity. It was a lot of fun, but I personally, I enjoy a casino. What is your take as a financial advisor, as somebody in the industry? What's your overall take on sports betting, on gambling, on gaming as a whole? Well, gambling can be an addictive
2: personality trait, right? So you got to be careful there. However, if you're doing it as an entertainment and you're just having a good time with friends and buddies and things like that, it can be fine as long as you're within reason. So if you're going to go to a show with your Wife and you're in Vegas. Well, it's going to cost you two hundred fifty dollars a ticket, right? So five hundred dollars to, you know, do a show that evening. And if you add dinner to that, it might be another hundred bucks or two hundred dollars. So. If you're in that kind of range where you're saying hey I want to spend five hundred dollars a day and and do it in the casino then I think that's an easy thing you can do but where people run into problems that they I'm gonna spend five hundred and then they end up spending two thousand and things like that so I think it's something that you can budget you know think it's something you can just be reasonable with and say hey I want to spend this this is part of my experience of being in in Vegas in the casino and I'm gonna spend X dollars while I'm there if you come home with more than you're winning right but if you don't spend over that per night I think you're doing fine, and then you're you're setting yourself a limit, and that's part of your entertainment.
0: I mean, if you do it with a budget, there's nothing wrong with that. And the team of the McPherson Financial Group can help keep you on that budget and customize that budget with a no-cost, no-obligation consultation. 321-425-8550. We can put a plan together or take a look at your plan to see where you're at. There's nothing wrong with asking questions, and it begins when you call 321-425-8550. Or visit artofmoneyradio.com. Protecting your assets and building retirement income. Speaking of income... We talk about the power of annuities a lot here on The Art of Money because it can provide guaranteed lifetime income in retirement. But when is it a good time to get one? We asked our annuity advocate, Cheryl Moore at Winkintel.com, and she said,
2: I think you should be considering annuities at the very least when you're in your 50s, just because the whole point of purchasing the annuity is to save money until you're ready to retire and then begin taking payments out once you are retirement age. Well, let's... Say, I'm 55 years old and I want to retire when I'm 65. Why wouldn't I buy a 10 year annuity and then save for retirement over that whole 10 years, defer my taxes, and at the end of the 10 year period, turn my lifetime income payments on and be guaranteed that paycheck every month till the day I die?
0: So, let me ask you this Art McPherson, Luke McCarty, how old were your clients when you suggested that they buy an annuity? if you're in your 60s is that too late younger what's your take
1: well there's all different types of annuities the one she's talking about now is more for income and i think she's right when it comes to income generating annuities you will get the most bang for your buck we'll call it if you do it you know 10 years before you need it now if you need income in four or five years it still works you know six or seven years they still work there's different products for different things but some of the annuities right now because of interest rates are offering you you know 30 percent bonus up front an eight percent compounding rate for ten years. After ten years, there's no more guarantee of eight percent, so that's kind of the max you'd want to wait on something like that. But for annuities in general, you know, I had some prospective clients, you know, in their late thirties. Well, they don't need an income annuity because they're well further down the line than retiring in ten years, but they want a growth annuity, and the growth annuity we talked about offer them 140 percent of the S and P 500 and a 15 percent buffer so you can either have where your income and your 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 money earns you guaranteed future income or you could have hey i'm going to outperform the P 500 um, you know and i'm going to use an insurance company to do it so there's all different types of annuities and some are right for some people some are wrong for some people it just really depends where you're at in life and what you need
2: I agree with everything Luke said. I mean, basically, annuities have a position, uh, for a portfolio. A lot of times Luke and I will look at, did people want a guaranteed income stream? You know, what she had brought up in our example was a good one. Let's just say, Mark, you need $10,000 a month in income in retirement. And if you could have, $5,000 $5,000 a month guaranteed because of annuity payments to you, would that be something you'd want to do? And a lot of times Luke and I will have those kind of discussions with our client. Here's what you need. How much of that would you like it to be guaranteed? Um, and that's where an annuity really fits in that scenario. You just have to be careful with annuities. Annuities can have fees inside, and you want to make sure you know what those fees are. And they also have what we call gotcha clauses, right? So you've got to keep your money in them for a period of time. So you've got to make sure that it's going to fit your need. It's going to fit your circumstance. Because if you were to get out prior to that time frame, there may be a a surrender charge or something like that or a penalty. So we're very careful with annuities, but there are really, really good ones in the industry that can do things that other investment things cannot do.
0: Big Happy Birthday this weekend. Kevin Costner, Field of Dreams, Bull Durham. His divorce last year made headlines when his ex refused to move out of their house. And she demanded almost $250,000 a month extra in child support. That was a lot of back and forth that made the headlines. It was pretty ugly. The divorce was finally finalized back in September. But... You know, for you, our McPherson, Luke McCarty, which y'all do for the community, divorce—it's a reality for fifty percent of adults. So, when things get messy in a marriage, what are your obligations as a financial advisor?
1: Yes, unfortunately, this happens, and it happens all too often. I mean, fifty percent is a coin flip. So um, I do, but maybe I don't. Right? That sounds horrible. Sorry, <laughs> Stacy. <laughs> no, I do, uh, but I did. I but do, I but I. Do now, maybe flip a coin if I still do later. anymore. But yeah, so it, it's unfortunate and it happens. Um, you know, as an advisor, you know, we're here to, we're on both sides, but we're not necessarily the middleman, right? This is between you and your spouse. And then, you know, we are dictated by the divorce decree and things, you know, when it gets pretty legal and all of that, you know, we, you know, we're able to move the finances and move the assets based on what has been determined, you know, by the divorce court. So, um, you know, and then as an advisor, you know, When things are separated or split, then it is our obligation to still do what's in your best interest as a client, just separate from your ex spouse. So, you know, we have clients that go through divorce and we have, you know, we still keep both of them as a client. We try not to invite them to the same events, but, um, (laughs) you know, certain things like that happen and it is unfortunate. And, you know, we're still here and we can still be part of your team, even if that's happening or if that's happened to you. We're here as a sounding board and we will always do what's in your best interest. Yeah.
2: And one of the things that's so hard about divorce, Mark, and, you know, I've been through that so I can speak to it, is... It's the worst time in your life and it's going to be one of the most emotional things you ever go through. So you're at a point where your stress is super, super high and you have to make a really, really important financial decision. So our clients that go through that process, we are there to help them walk along that because they need sometimes they just need that extra person on the phone to make sure that. Things are clear, things are transferred properly, and it's kind of, uh, you know, help guide you through that process because it just can be absolutely overwhelming when everything else in your life is kind of coming, crashing down. We want to be that uh, person to help pick you up and help you guide through that process because it's in our industry. We have a lot of important technical information and we have our, you know, nomenclatures for things like the court may say, okay you're supposed to get fifty five thousand dollars from your spouse's 401k. Well, that's called a quad. And you might not know what the heck a quadro is, but we'll right. help you walk through that to make sure you get your 55000 it gets transferred properly because it's one of the few times you can legally take money from somebody else's 401k And add it to your 401k or your IRA because you're allowed to do that through a quadro process
0: You know divorce is a reality and if you find yourself in that situation nothing wrong with reaching out to our McPherson and Luke McCarty just to make sure That your assets are being protected. 321-425-8550. Again, 321-425-8550, artofmoneyradio.com. Because unfortunately, as we saw with Kevin Costner, uh, his entire divorce played out in the headlines. But speaking of headlines and speaking of Hollywood and the movie The Wolf of Wall Street, Leonardo DiCaprio played the part of Jordan Belfort. And after 22 months in prison, he is out and he even wrote a book about his experiences called The Wolf of Investing. He recently sat down with Tucker Carlson and gave his opinion on the financial news networks and specifically CNBC's Jim Cramer. I actually opted into Cramer's little thing online and I started receiving a barrage of like 100 emails about join his special club. He'll alert you to what stocks are going up and down in real time. I mean, it's like this is insanity, but this is a major network, right? That's giving investors crappy advice. Now, on the flip side, here's the weird part. They also have good stuff on that network, like there's legitimate news, and that's the problem. So they mix in legitimate news, great reporting, interviews with great CEOs, and you learn about the economy, what's going on in the world. But they intersperse that with like this market giving advice, and it's nonsense. People can't beat the market. So how much weight do you put into the information we get from the financial news? Does it affect the decisions of your clients? Well, this example here is
2: a good example of just bad information, right? A lot of people want to go out there and do well or overperform. But most of the time when Luke and I look at somebody's portfolio, they're not keeping up with just the regular indexes, right? So the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ, whatever you want to look at. So if you're you're reading a periodical or you're reading some that says oh, yeah You can outperform the market by 20% 30% I think that's true what the guy said, you know that be very very wary of that because you're talking about um, Somebody who's promising, you know Overperforming because you're using their wisdom or their knowledge or their expertise and Luke can tell you I can tell you uh, Any advisor you talk to time is kind of like going to the casino, right? If you walk away from the casino five times because you got in at a certain time, got out at a certain time, you won, won, won. The casino is going to win in overall in the end, right? It's a numbers game. So same thing with the market. The market is going to give and the market is going to take it away. You just want to make sure you're in it while it's giving and you don't want to be sitting on the sidelines and then you're only buying when it's taken away. So you want to be through that whole process of what the market does to be able to get the magic of the market and you want to make sure you're balanced accordingly so you don't have too much money at risk. You want to have some of that safeguarded money too.
1: Yeah, and too much information it's kind of what they're talking about here. You know, uh, Jim Cramer, right? He has a show. It's popular. He is pretty much required to give stock advice, whether he you know, buys it himself or not, whether he believes in it himself. He has to give a buy or sell when it comes to certain things, because that's what people want. And these news networks, right? They have shareholders. So they have to put out information that people want to watch so they can sell ads and, and commercials and things like that. So when you're looking at these outlooks for the year when people put a price target on the S&P 500, for example, it's always wrong, right? Last year, everybody said the market was going down. It went up, right? Two years before that, everybody's just seemingly wrong as, you know, when it comes to the outlook of the markets and the best investment minds the best economic heads right they don't go on these shows because these shows require you and they ask that question at the very end you know you kind of give them your take on you know the sectors of the market you think are going up and at the very end they slide in so where do you think the s p is going to be at the end of the year mm. well the best economists don't go on those channels because you know they don't want to put on paper in writing uh, a target that they may change next week but cnbc had you recorded a week ago and you can't change it so be careful when it comes to outlook, be careful when it comes to too much information. You know, there was, you know, during, you know, like Martin Luther King day, for example, you know, I wasn't necessarily, we were closed, but if you go on CNBC, right, there's talking heads on there at every hour of the day and they're there in the lunch hour and all sorts of things that try to get you to buy and sell stocks and it is, You know, trying to separate, you know, the noise from reality. And I'd be careful watching too much of those news channels.
0: We hear the name Jim Cramer and Warren Buffett, Susie Orman. Like, who who do you as somebody in the industry... Who do you follow or who do you trust?
1: Warren Buffett, of course, is the more value investor type of person to follow. However, his trades aren't necessarily public when he makes them. I still follow and listen to. He was the old chief investment officer of Raymond James back about 10 years ago. You know, I follow him still. Um, You know, I follow some other investment, you know, gurus that were, you know, the head of Morgan Stanley or the head, but they're not anymore, right? They have their own thing that they're doing. And so, um, you know, I take information from a lot of different smart people who aren't biased Mm -hmm. you know i hate to say the word biased but if you're working for a mutual fund company which none of these do but if you're working for a fund company you're going to talk about your fund and you're going to have a rosy outlook so people will buy your fund you know or you're going to be the head of you know a big brokerage firm where you're going to talk positively and get people to invest with your brokerage firm so you need to find people who are outside of those Kind of silos where they have, you know, um, biases and things trying to, you know, opinions pushing or swaying them one way or the other. And that's where we get information from. But we also have our own indicators and our own in-house, you know, kind of plans and in-house parameters on when to buy and when to sell and our, you know, own risk assessments that we do within the stock market and the economy.
2: one of the things we really try to do here at mcpherson financial group is really look at the technical data mark so rather than listening to the talking mouths or people like that what does the market suggest you know is it a good opportunity right now or do we have some overpricing going on. And what I mean by that is if you look at any mutual fund sector, so let's just say uh, right now, let's just take mid caps. And if you look at mid caps in the last three year return, if you find that they've been averaging three, four five percent, but typically when you look at a five or 10 year return on a mid cap, it's giving you nine, 10, 12 percent. Well, they're underperforming right now, so that means we probably should overperform in the future. So it's a good time, it's a good opportunity to buy. So you look at technical indicators like that, um, where if you look at the same data, same information, and they're trading 15, 20 times the last three years uh, period, and then normally they're giving you that eight or 9% a year period you know, return, then they're probably oversold, and we're probably gonna have a correction on that side. So those are the type of things we look at on what to buy, what to sell, um, how to rebalance portfolios for clients of ours, and how to make sure that we're taking advantage of opportunities that might be there or also threats that may be lying with returns too because we've actually had some way over performance and now we're probably going to underperform for the next two or three-year period.
0: Thanks for listening. Want more from Art McPherson of McPherson Financial Group? Find us online at
3: artofmoneyradio.com.